0: Good morning, and welcome back to the EJS Show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available shortly afterwards as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to this podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone, and you can also share your thoughts and feedback with our email address at ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody.
1: Good morning.
0: Good morning, everybody. It's interesting. On Proton Mail, I've been getting mail from this gentleman in Brazil, who used to live in the States, who's a big liberty activist, who wants to get involved. So I'm just emailing him back and forth to see when to meet him. That will awesome. get international people. Well, we also had that guy from what was it, Iceland or Denmark or something? So maybe <laughs> they're not. he's still that.
2: listening. Hopefully he's still listening. We I are now. Pay- What's Can that? we have them on? Let's have them join us. I I'm fascinated to talk to people in other countries. Come on,
0: let's have them on. No, I will. I gotta I gotta get him on Zoom. Yeah. The guy. I'm trying to figure out how they ever hear of us.
2: Yeah. I'm just saying that's my call out to them. Come join us. I'm so interested in picking their ears about brains. Like, you know what you know what I mean. You know the thing. You know the Wait, thing. The thing. Picking the oh. thing.
3: We <laughs> are official. We're we're officially globalists. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're going to have to switch back to afternoons when people are sick.
0: <laughs> so we have our usual compliment or insult, as it may be, of topics, which I'll run through really, really quickly, and then we can pick and choose what we want to complain about today. Um, just the COVID news that's out there, i goes run through headlines real quick. Um, FDA panel member on COVID vaccines, heart attacks happen 71 times more often. Duh. Um, COVID-19 hospitalization numbers might be significantly inflated. I'll give that another duh. Now, this is an interesting story. I can check out where, but somewhere in the States where there's a fight, they want the kids to wear the masks while they're eating and only take them down to insert the food in the mouths, but chew and swallow with their mask back on, which I think was a story about a year ago somewhere. I can't remember where, um, one of my favorite stories, which I think has a bunch more angles, is the story that happened at Carmine's in New York, where the original story was these bad Texan white supremacists, racist um, hillbillies, rednecks, what else can I call them, attacked this poor innocent person in a New York restaurant for demanding they wear a mask or because they had to be vaccinated or something. And then these Texas white supremacist rednecks attacked this poor person and beat them up. And now the story has morphed into, it were, was black people who were victimized by the hostess at this restaurant. And now BLM is fighting for the people who are no longer Texas white supremacist racist, but are now are victimized Black Lives Matter people. And the story has totally morphed and flipped, which I find to be really, really fascinating. So I wanna talk about that one. There's another story, the Biden administration strongly opposes honorable discharge for troops who refuse COVID-19 vaccines. And I know that I think Republicans are trying to get a bill to say they shouldn't be dishonorably discharged. So apparently this is a fight that's going on right now. And I guess my final, or well, not my final, but my final question, for the COVID section, or this part of the COVID section, is what's going to keep us from becoming Australia. So take it away, folks.
2: Wow, so much to go through there. Um, anybody want to start with any particular? And there's, I could, I could, I could personally go to every bit. But one of the first things is children sitting in classrooms with masks and the two stories of late with the the mayor of San Francisco and her whole spiel about everybody in there was vaccinated and we were doing these safe things and why does the fun police have to come in and all the, and and, and of course the Hollywood elites with their exact same excuses about why they're free to sit at tables and not wear masks and to do all these things and not wear masks. I mean, it it's, goes back to all your duh headlines. It's not about science, it's about power. It's about, it's about um, liberty for me, but not for thee because they have an interest in liberty for themselves because of their arrogance, I assume. And I just, that's the one that I wanted to start Jody, with.
0: Jodi, you, you jumped ahead because I have a whole section on double standards. Obviously the San Francisco mayor is saying, saying we don't need the fund police. Is super classic, and she's getting bashed for that. The Emmys, of course, which is interesting that they, they didn't have to wear masks. Um, they verbal advice.
2: gymnastics. They're, they're verbal gymnastics to sort of. Well, here's why it's okay for us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're just trying to protect you from death. We're trying to save you from killing others. For us, it's okay not to follow these rules because we're different. And you know, how people don't see that is. Unbelievable. And the fight
0: over illegal immigrants, which apparently they pressed uh, Circle back Saki on, and she said, well, they're not going to stay for a long time. <laughs> so you're right. Yes, the verbal gymnastics are absolutely unbelievable. I kind of have learned from this show that it's not about double standards. It's, it's about we are in your face going to flaunt the fact that we don't have to keep your rules, deal with it.
2: So what else do we call it? Ed Maslitz, you're the one who kind of taught me it's not double standards, it's not hypocrisy. They don't even believe in those things, really.
1: And you're right. right it's a single standard. Their standard is, what can they do to destroy us? I
2: feel, I feel like single standard isn't even a strong enough word to call it what it really is. It's something more nefarious. It's the goal.
3: The, their goal is authoritarianism, and that's the bottom line. They're going to achieve it however, but, but whatever means that they can get their hand. But in.
2: like those Hollywood elites... I mean, are they in their minds? Do you think that that's really what they're thinking, or are they just thinking individual level? I'm just cooler. I'm just because I'm pop yeah. up you know, in an actual authoritarian.
1: There's there's virtue signaling they, there. I think Some it's all of it. Knows. But let me strip out. Let me strip out the they're evil and they're trying to destroy us and 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 back up a little bit. <clears throat> Under Trump's tax plan, had one ingenious provision that to this day, still incenses the left. And that's the the limitation on the SALT deduction. And what was ingenious about it is that it was a way of basically taxing rich liberals without saying we're taxing rich liberals. And that's basically, we're getting the flip side of that right now. They're doing a whole bunch of policies. I mean, if you don't want to go and call them evil and say that they're trying to be take us over and kill us and you don't want to get into that whole moral dimension you can just say that they are pursuing policies that benefit them and hurt us and that's that's what that's what Trump did under the the SALT, you know with the SALT deduction and I think that's what they're doing now. I mean I I happen to think that there's more sinister nefarious motivation behind it but if you don't want to get into that level of, you know, that level of accusation it's just simply they're they're gonna go and butter the, their bread on their side for their people, and they're gonna hurt us, you know, just as a matter of policy.
4: Well, I, I think it's more like elitism. I think you know we all can trust each other because we're all the best people, you know, we're, we're the, the optimates, and uh, we all know that uh, uh, we've gotten the vaccine, and uh, we can each we can trust each other um because there's none of those evil you know red state people here among us so we don't have to wear the masks. it's only for the rubes who haven't been vaccinated and who we really can't trust when they say they've been vaccinated
3: um
4: i, I think it's just pure elitism um I, I for the hollywood types I like I, not the- not for the Fauci types that's right that's a desire for author- authoritarianism but or or the school boards or the teachers you know um but,
0: uh, you know, it's not just the elite, Ed, because, you know, I'm looking at this other article about, A, it doesn't apply to illegal immigrants. That's clearly not the elite. It doesn't apply to welfare recipients, which are clearly not the elite. It's just your face. We're going to squash MAGA people. Well, they have this
4: inherent, um, I hate to say this because it's such a cliche, but they, they have this inherent racism, right, That that, um, that you know, you can't. You can't produce ID for voting because um, black people are too stupid to have IDs. And uh, and of course, these illegal immigrants, they're too stupid to uh, to, um, you know, get the vaccine or even consent to vaccinate it, you know, so um, we, we can't do that.
2: You know, this. in falls- well, align with the racism but the elitism there that could be a part of it because you know poor people can't be expected to do these things minorities they can't be expected to do these things that we're capable of doing I mean they're poor and they're not smart all these things that they kind of want to actually keep them where they are right so that covers the elitism and the authoritarianism is, we need this. We need the. We need the national narrative in everybody's mind to be, "Oh, poor you! You're so weak and so incapable." That's that's a narrative that that helps the authoritarian, and that's a narrative that fits
1: with the elitists. I mean, they real. The tell, real question. The, sorry, go ahead, Mike.
3: No, the, the, their tell on their goal is what's happening on the border right now. They don't give a rat's ass about whether these people have covid and they're going to spread it everywhere they're letting them in and why because they want their votes ultimately they want power so again they're consistent on that uh, with respect to that um you know they can impose the covid mandates on the rest of us and we have to sit there and and obey but if you're an immigrant a migrant illegal alien crossing the border that's okay if you have covid because we need you to secure our power like i said just a minute
1: like I said just a minute ago, they're, they're going to let their people have the benefit of not having the rules apply to them, but they're going to apply the rules to us. Um, but I think that, you know, talking about narratives, where is the counter narrative? I mean, yeah. what evidence is there that the Republican Party opposes any of this? Where is the Republican Party? You know, where why are why is the RNC running ads of, of two year olds wearing masks? Why? Where is the where is the RNC? you know, putting out ads opposing any of this? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many Republicans are standing up and saying, hell no. I mean, hardly Where, any of them.
3: Where's the governor it, of Texas on stopping this right. lot of migrants on the border? I mean,
0: exactly. exactly, exactly. He's and, and, stopping, I mean, he has that train of cars that's blocking the border now. Which It's all talk,
1: Steve. Hey, it's so think- all talk. These Republicans you all talk.
2: Ed, do you think, what, what would be the rationale behind it? Do you think it's because they're, they are they want to be part of the uh, power transfer party, and they just don't want to say it? Like, they want power just as much as the Democrats, so they're not really going to stand up? What, what would be their reasoning? Or are they afraid of cancel culture? I
1: think, no, I think it's more what Ed Powell was saying, that it's about elitism, and they consider themselves elites. Elite. I think that's what it is, but- <laughs> Um, I
2: mean, it's just conjecture. We don't know, but it's got to be something. There's a reason right. I mean, The question
0: crazy. about Republicans is they don't give a hoot and they're go along to get along. And, you know, we can touch on the Bush story that George W., who basically was only saved by those of us who backed him when he was being trashed mercilessly for years and years and years, and now can't go far enough to suck up to the left and is Going to go out there and campaign for anti MAGA, Liz Cheney, et cetera. It's, it's, they, they just want to be part of that elite power structure. They don't believe in anything whatsoever. And they have no problem watching the rest of us go down. And where are they on January 6th? Exactly. So they don't and care. Part of the problem. Yeah, very much part of them. They don't care. Almost nobody. Now, Ted Cruz was really cool the other day when he ripped into whoever (laughs) he was talking to in Congress over there about kind of Jody's point, you know, that Blacks can't get voter ID, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, the Republicans as a party don't care and therefore don't fight. It's not that they care and they're chickens. They don't care. We've said that a lot of times before. Yep.
2: They care about themselves. Preserving
0: elves and staying preserving. in Congress forever and ever. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, That's there amazing. are very, very few Republicans who I think are uh, care at all about the American people. Um,
2: when did this happen? Do you, you want to? You look back in history of of the United States, and is there's the good and there's the bad. But certainly the good. I mean, just go back even to uh, the Civil War. I mean, there were people fighting it. Well, fighting against things, fighting even, you know, to free free black people and, and dying. Where was what happened to this sort of sense of unity of preserving the good in your nation? Where's this sense of caring about others, caring about the future, caring about our great grandkids, instead of this sort of rapacious Well, I care about my power now. I care. What happened?
3: Listen, I mean, not to sound cliche and injecting the founding fathers, but they warned us about factions. They warned us about usurpation of power and centralization of power. And we didn't listen. I mean, we're at a point now where we have this behemoth of a tyrannical federal government that has its paws in everything that we do in our lives. We have party politics. We have factions. So we have a lot of division and people fighting each other. And you're not going to have politicians that care about you when they're in some far off place. And there's no, there's no connection. That wasn't the government we were supposed to have. It's not the system we're supposed to have. Our our politics is supposed to be on a state level, on a local level where we can reach out and touch those elected officials and influence them. And they're not career politicians getting rich off of it. But every, everything on every level is wrong. And when we see what's going on on the border, I mean, I look at that now and I just say, like, it's, it's over. I mean, we're, we're letting these people come in. They're, they're, not, um, they're, they're not coming here and learning how to be an American, per se. As when an American comes here the right way, when somebody, I'm sorry, an immigrant comes here the right way and becomes a citizen, learns how to become an American, learns our history, learns our system and, and all that. So, again, that speaks to the culture. Illegal immigration is all about the culture, and it's another way for us to lose the culture and lose the country. I have let another. Me answer, I, let me I
4: answer. I have, I have an interesting uh, uh, ones, I have an interesting sort of counterexample with regard to the Civil War. Uh, you know, one of the big heroes of the Civil War is uh, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, and uh, he was a school teacher from Maine. And when the Civil War broke out, he joined up and uh, and went and fought, and ended up becoming a, a huge hero at, at Gettysburg. Now, let's be today. Suppose California goes full lockdown, like, uh, you know, full totalitarian like Australia has. Um, they're not there yet, but suppose they do. And suppose uh, there's a lawsuit and they lose, but they decide to continue anyway. And, and uh, they um, they secede because they want to really fight COVID the, the right way, meaning become a totalitarian state. How many of you guys are gonna give up your jobs, comfortable jobs and go off and force California back in the union? None of us, we're we're gonna be like, thank God they've gone like that, that visitor who has stayed way too long in your house and eaten too much of your food. It was like, thank goodness, goodbye. And so I kind of wonder, I, you know, I kind of wonder what the um, I and I really don't know the answer. It's like, why? Why did these, you know, Maine men fight to bring the South back in the union? Because I know damn well nobody'd fight to bring California back in the union at all today. I mean, we'd be that's like,
0: an
2: interesting consideration. Well,
1: don't let, let the me door answer
2: on the
4: ass.
1: Let me answer your question, though, Jody. You know, when did this happen in the Republican Party? And I'd say it goes all the way back to the founding of the republican party before the civil war wow. if you look at i've looked at the the party platforms that you know that lincoln ran on for instance and early in its right from its beginning the republican party was a far more active favored far more government activism than the democrat party if you look at at the party platforms of 1860 for example you'll see that the republican party was in favor of Uh, more infrastructure projects, canals, roads, railroads, and, and a more activist federal presence, which is sort of consistent with the need for the federal government to overthrow slavery. I mean, that required an activist government as well. The Democrat platform, while it had the odious endorsement of slavery, it was actually much more of a limited government party back then. And that continued even into Reconstruction into the second half of the uh, 19th century. And if you look back at the history of progressivism, it started in the Republican party in, in Wisconsin and the upper Ohio Valley. Um, you know, the, the Sherman Antitrust Act, the Interstate Commerce Commission Act, uh, those were, pro- those were uh, passed by Republican Congresses. Um, the Democrats ultimately co-opted progressivism and gave up their limited government um, uh, beliefs. But the Republican party has always been a party of activist government. It has always had this strain in it. Um, And we've been fighting really ever since the Teddy Roosevelt, Howard Taft split um, in 1908 to 1912. Um, We've been fighting whether we're gonna have a, a limited government Republican party or a more activist one. And, and Taft himself, you know, grandfather Taft was much more of a progressive activist than, you know, say his son, Robert Taft, uh, who became the father, you know, one of the fathers of conservatism in the 40s. Um, but that, this has always been in the Republican Party. It's always been a virus that the Republican Party has had. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's something that's always been there. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to ask. Um, that was very interesting. By the way, thank you. Um, Do you think there's any possibility of some sort of um, deeper thing with the Democrats? So when slavery was then abolished, they had to find another way to enslave for their own financial and power gains. So on some level, they're continuing the slavery mantra. It just looks different. But it has the same purpose of exploiting humans for their own financial and power gains.
1: Well, that's what Jim Crow was. Um, you know, they certainly at least have that subconsciously in their own political DNA. Um, you know, Ed Powell was talking about that just a few minutes ago. With you know how voter ID is racist, mm-hmm. um, they certainly have a racist uh, gene in their in their political DNA. Um, whether it's conscious or not, I, I, you know, I don't know, but.
2: So I'm just, I'm trying to bring that in line with what made the, if the Democrats of the past weren't as interested in being government activists and activist federal government, and they clearly are to the extreme now, what was the impetus for that? And I'm just suggesting maybe that was the impetus for that was, oh, we lost our plantation slavery, we're going to go for slavery in another avenue in another form on some level. Sort of uh, LBJ's supposed um, we'll have those ends vote voting Democrat for decades, his words. And, you know, uh, maybe, you know, illegal immigrants coming in as we'll have these illegal immigrants voting Democrats for, you know, maybe that's Joe Biden's the immigrants
1: of today—they weren't for Ill- Ill- illegal immigration even 25 years ago. I mean, if you look back in the 90s, the De- it was the Democrat Party that was opposed to illegal immigration. They viewed it as a threat to their union constituents Well, that's what so, I'm
2: saying. Suggesting what is the motive, and maybe that is the motive. That motive well, continues. To I think look the motive
1: behind the Democrat part-
2: people on the plantation. Our plantation changed. How do we grow our plantation?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know Ann Coulter. Those are has,
2: hard words, uh, I get yeah, it. But.
4: Ann Coulter has it right. I mean, they, starting with the '60s radicals, they wanted to impose a sort of socialist slash communist um, vision of the United States, and the electorate wouldn't go for it. So the solution is to elect a new electorate. Now, you know, I I don't see any I don't see any uh, you know any more complicated
1: thing than that. Um, well, except that from, you know, the 60s until the mid 90s, they were opposed to importing a new electorate.
4: No, not the radicals. You see that the, the, the Democratic Party in the 60s was, you know, in favor of the Vietnam War and they were in favor of, um, you know, fighting communism. And uh, and
1: uh, I think but, that was more of a front Ed. I mean, but the,
4: but the radicals were... in the party, you know, were obviously not and they have they took over the party with bill clinton now it turned out that bill clinton wasn't as bad as we all thought he was
0: back then
1: i mean
4: of course he's bad they're all bad but he you know i'd trade biden for clinton in a heartbeat um but uh i think that you know with with Clinton and especially with Obama, the sixties radicals have now completely taken over the democratic party. And, you know, you have that added impetus of, um, cancel culture and the destruction of free speech, um, which is, you know, half Marcuse and half social media. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where we, that's where we are today. And, and if, if, uh, the Republicans, you know, there are a few Republicans who are like, yes, screw it, I don't care. And they just tell it like it is. Rand Paul is one of them on the Liberty side. There are a few others, not very many, but um, he just doesn't care.
2: I don't, that's the part I don't, What that's, it's not just the Republicans. How did so many Americans just stop caring about Others, I guess I say others because, you know, people, people in our so many people are locked in poverty and violence in our inner cities, and they can't seem to sort of engage on what is wrong, how that's not okay. That's and, and, and you listen to you listen to people talk and really all the bottom line comes down to is them. And it's not. Well, what about the future of our children? What about the I think, people locked in poverty? And then you're going to bring all these other people and lock them in tents and poverty when you've destroyed the economic ladder. How is that okay in the mind? Listen,
1: I think... I, Go ahead. But you, you want, well, I'll, I'll say quickly. I, I think the answer to your question, Jody, is why, When do we? how do we get to the point where we don't care about other people? I think the answer to that is simple. It's the welfare state before you had a welfare state, there was no safety net and we all had right. to care for everybody else. And that, right. was, the, that was the culture.
2: I was, the welfare I was gonna,
1: state breeds this sort of indifference towards other people and, and not merely me and indifference, I'm. but uh, contempt because when somebody else grabs a government benefit, it's coming out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Mike?
3: Well, you just reminded me of a terrific book I read years ago called The Tragedy of American Compassion and it speaks it speaks to just that the damage the welfare state has caused but most definitely yeah i mean look we're still a pretty charitable nation but when you're having your pocket picked to the tune of 30 40 50% and it go, you know and you, you know, know that you's going it's going to welfare okay. programs what incentive do you have to, to give otherwise
2: okay it's i know it's not you-
1: just that you have less I'll, I'll let you talk jody but i just it's not just that you have 30 40% less of your wealth It's that you think that they're all being taken care of already.
2: Yes. Great. That was going to be that mindset. I know everybody's going to disagree with this and that's okay. But if in some utopian universe, um, my labor, you know, the government was taking 50% of my labor and people weren't hungry and violence was solved and literally it was a beautiful, wonderful world that I got to live in. I'd actually be okay with that. But that's never going to be the case because that's never how it works. And my beef with the American people is that they continue to call for more of that as they ignore the fact that none of these problems are being solved, they're getting worse. Poverty's not getting better, it's getting worse. The economic ladder for to climb is being further destroyed. How do you continue to call for the same darn things? that don't solve these problems, that are making it worse, that are clearly just for the elites to line their pockets. At what point do you stop and say, oh, geez, I'm doing harm to others. This is harmful to the people in the now. This is harmful to our great grandkids. This is harmful. We have to stop and rethink. And I just wanna end this point with this one thing. You know how many people say about the Democrats, well, they mean well. Well, let me just tell you, People who mean well have a very keen interest in whether or not what they do actually does well. They look, they stop, they think, did this actually work? Are we actually solving poverty? Are people actually becoming independent and stronger? People who mean well want to do well. People who don't mean well, but only pretend they mean well, don't look back. They don't stop and see if their policies are working fine. They continue to slam the same thing over and over because it's not about the solution. It's about lining their own pockets because they don't mean well. And we know that because they don't stop and see if they're doing well.
3: You know, Rush, right. used, to, Rush used to talk about symbolism over substance and the results don't matter for liberals. They, they, it doesn't matter. It's about their intentions. If their intentions and their feelings are all that matter. So they going to, go like that anytime there's anything that suggests that the policies that they support cause more damage, right? They cause, they damage people's lives far more than they help anybody.
2: And that's the selfishness I'm talking about. I know people, I hear people, they're not living on the system. Some of them, maybe you could say, but uh, they have that sort of, to me, it's selfishness. It's, you know, this, they're pretending that it's about others, but really it's about I want more of this for free. I want more of that for free. It's that selfishness that I can't believe the bulk of Americans have actually been lulled into.
1: Well, I mean, there's no opposition. I mean, the, the arguments on the other side, you're making them very strongly. And, you know, the Republican party has, has these arguments ready to make, You know, they could they could take over the inner cities if they made the right arguments.
4: Hell, they could take over D.C. when they had the Congress. What? Well, when the Republicans controlled the Congress, they could (gasps) take over the city of the District of Columbia and fix it. They could institute school choice. They could reform the police department. They could um, end the corruption of the city council, but they don't care Hell, they could stop. Gun control, for God's sake. They could do all these things. Congress has plenary power to do anything they want with the District of Columbia. And when the Republicans have the Congress, they do nothing. Why? Because if they take home rule away from um, the District of Columbia, then they'd be accused of racism.
1: (laughs) That happens all the time.
4: Yeah. So, but, right. Listen, well, whatever I mean, they
1: do, they're accused of racism. Yeah, they need yeah. to be able to get past that.
4: We all, but, I mean, but, talk about like socialist policies don't work. That's ridiculous. Masks don't work. <laughs> you know, I mean, anybody who can look at the data and the data is all over there show that masks have no effect
0: on the transmission of the coronavirus.
4: None. Zero.
0: Guys, I'm going to pick up from on some of these points. First, of all, I'm looking at this story where this poor doctor who told patients don't have to wear masks in his practice has just lost his medical license. So that's your mask. Everybody knows they don't help anybody. And the why don't we fight back story wrapped in one little neat story. Now, how many other doctors are going to come out there and say that masks don't help? He lost his license. He's done. Okay. Second of all, we have some of these stories about people fighting back and it sort of gets back to that Carmine story in New York with which side of intersectionality is fighting back on. So you have United Airlines employees are suing over the vaccine mandate using the Civil Rights Act of 1964, trying to fight it with a left weapon. You have a Massachusetts police union, now union is left, police may or may not be left, asking a judge to suspend the mandate. And you got parents in New York um, suing to stop the the mask mandates. So you have the people who fight back from the right, forget about it, they're gonna be squashed like this doctor and like so many other people who have had their voice taken away, they've been deplatformed, maybe even worse. The only hope in this weird way is if it comes from the left, whether it's the BLM people with the restaurant or whether it's Civil Rights Act and unions fighting back. And that's the funny part of all of this is the unions and the left Fighting our fight for us because on the right, nobody gives a hoot Mm -hmm. and nobody can fight with those fights because the press will squash them. And again, going back to that story in New York, it's fascinating to watch the press literally twist itself from totally one end of the story to the total other side of the story based on which side is more leftist.
4: I I went into my pulmonologist the other day for my yearly uh, lung uh, appointment and, and, you know, I don't wear a mask, but I take one with me cause I, I don't want to be too much of a jerk, you know? And I went in and he was there and he wasn't wearing a mask. And so I just didn't put it on. And then we, you know, not just talk about my mental health, but, or my health, but he's, he spends, um, you know, he, he spends, uh, f- at least three days a week in the hospital dealing with COVID patients. And uh, he's not wearing a mask, I'm not wearing a mask. Of course, we've both been vaccinated, so that gives us something. And I talked to him about it. He says, oh yeah, when I go to the hospital, this is the mask I use. He brings in this mask. It looks like something from World War One. It's, it's like this crazy, you know, it's, it's not an N95. It's like, it's like a gas mask, you know, with the filters and everything. <laughs> he says, that's what I use in the hospital. I said, well, that looks pretty effective. He says, oh yes, this is a very effective mask. Um, and uh, it's got the vent too, right? So the, the the you know the N95s with the vent, so that it lets the air out. Um, those are much better as far as uh, protecting you. You know your your breath goes out into the air, but uh, it, it it doesn't impede your breathing as much, uh, and and doesn't build up the CO2 in the mask and give you that sense of. Uh, of I can't breathe, I can't breathe um, but it was it was really funny so
2: yeah, well, uh, uh, I like
4: this doc. he's okay. he's okay in my buck.
2: Do, do you think that they could be planning those for our future when we discover that you know these housemaid or you know other surgical masks don't work all of a sudden they're going to be trying to get everyone into one of those I don't
4: no. think we're smart enough to even know. Uh, you know, I mean, I think, uh, uh, you know, Fauci was right that first time. He says, ah, oh, these masks don't work. There's no reason for anybody to go around wearing masks. That's just dumb.
0: And- i got had a laugh or cry, you know, so when I went out of state last week by plane, which was the first time I've flown since COVID, and when you pull down your mask so that TSA can identify you, I, I, I could almost die of laughter. You have the security theater farce where they heard hundreds and hundreds of people into one small place waiting for TSA, which would be the absolute best place to wreak havoc, since you're all piled in together where there's absolutely no security yet. And then this mask idea. So when you pull your mask down, when you're one foot away from the guys, he can verify who you are. I guess that's when the virus takes its, its hiatus. And also, I was just, just got my jury duty notice in New York. And somebody mentioned to me, and I'm looking it up now, and it seems to be true. So apparently jurors have to wear masks. I mean, yeah, jurors have to wear masks. I'm assuming that lawyers and defendants and prosecutors have to And the to wear judges. The now, judges. Will somebody tell me how in the world does any point to juries being present at a trial if everybody is wearing masks?
3: Do they have to be vaccinated? I think
0: they may have to be vaccinated as well. Does it, doesn't, doesn't, that,
3: doesn't that pollute the jury pool? I mean...
0: Yeah, well, first no of kidding. all, yes. And by the way, thank <laughs> right. you so much, Mike. Thank you so much for mentioning that. You have totally made it no longer representative of the public. And I love that you brought that up because I forgot that point. And isn't the point of the jurors that they being the ones who ultimately judge the case, they're looking everybody in the face and deciding yeah. what the facts are based on that. And now you're going to say, put a mask on everybody. What What is Plus going on?
4: disparate impact, and it's finally beginning to dawn on people like the NAACP and um, other quote unquote, civil rights organizations that the vaccine mandates and the mass mandates and and, and vaccine passports like in New York City are having a a wildly disparate impact because the most vaccine hesitant are uh, Blacks.
0: Which is getting back to my point of we're gonna need the left. fight this fight because the right doesn't care and the right will never fight and yes it's very much disparate impact and apparently biden's numbers have gone way way down with certain non-white races and groups because of this
1: but i don't think i don't think that the masks and the forced vaccinations are ends in and of themselves for the left i think they're a means to a larger end um so i don't think that they're going to necessarily stay forever i mean maybe they will maybe they won't but the, the real purpose is to get us to submit. The real purpose is to, you know, to get mail-in voting, for example, so that they can change elections. Um, the real purpose is to is to do other things. And, you know, we've we've speculated or I've speculated about what those other things are going to be. Um, I, I still believe that, that we have a coming economic crisis. And I still think that they're going to try and take over the country through economics rather than... Uh, the brute force of a COVID dictatorship, like it's going on in Australia. But um, I, I think they're, they're means to an end, I don't think they're an ending of themselves. And I think there's more coming.
0: Well, I, yeah, I kind of started off the show by quoting or alluding to you in believing that beginning back to Mike's point, which I wish I wish I would have mentioned is let's wait for the first appellate case where a non-white defendant is convicted. And he goes to the appeals court and he said, by definition, my jury was biased because you allowed none of my peers on it. I refuse to be vaccinated and none of my peers are on it. And wait till that wanders up on the, through the courts and the left attacks it that way. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch them become pretzels. And by the way, I think it's a very valid point because it's not a jury of your peers. It's a jury of people who specifically aren't your peers. Yeah, yeah. So watch out for this one. And we said it here first on EJS. Another quick story from COVID, New England Journal of Medicine backtracks, now admits COVID vaccine may not be safe for pregnant women. Whoops.
4: Uh, I mean, I think everybody who's uh, looked at the data, ha- like, uh, like I did, um, uh, knew that there were far too many <clears throat> Uh, Far, far too many miscarriages uh, when the vaccinated person was was um, vaccinated early
0: in the pregnancy. But we're supposed to listen to Fauci. And again, you're not going to be able to sue anybody. But when they say, whoops, we got it wrong. And where do you go to get your baby back? To paraphrase somebody.
4: You mean your uh, your your
0: clump of cells,
4: clump of cells? Yeah, that's where do you get your clump (laughs) of cells.
0: And again, when they change their mind on a dime, not to get back to the Hunter Biden story, which we may or may not touch on, but when they change their mind and say, oh, we were really wrong all along, but we changed history by lying, where do you go to fight it? And one with the other COVID story, I just want quick opinions on because I mentioned it, the military story. Anybody want to chime in on that? What we're doing the people who volunteered their way into the military, may have been in their year, may have been in their 10 years, may have put their entire career into it. They put their entire futures into it, their family's futures into it. And now we're saying if you don't want to get vaccinated because you think it's really bad for you. And by the way, that could include pregnant women in the military. We're kicking you out dishonorably and you lose everything that you invested your life for.
4: Well, I mean, I think I think um, this is an uh, yeah, obviously just an excuse to get rid of the white supremacists and Trump supporters. In the military.
2: Or at least put that yellow star on them somehow. No, I mean,
4: seriously, the, you know, the military will be much less capable after all of these um, independent thinkers and and freedom lovers are out of it, Uh, but it'll be much more obedient, and that's kind of what. Yes,
0: but there'll be obedient social workers, nothing against my profession, rather than obedient military fighters are well, immediate that social
4: workers point. with artillery and tanks
0: and and, and yeah, MC- but they can't use them and i think that is the point it is to totally why can't they them use them well i mean let's let's look at well, this. They can use them against us people but they can't exactly and that's
4: the, yeah. that's the point it's like i don't know whether you know this but in in europe there's this big um there's this big discussion about an eu army right
0: we yeah need that's a, a new thing coming up isn't we it? we need an
4: eu now, army Right. And there's all this, should we have EU and what's the relationship with NATO and, you know, and the NATO power structure, because the NATO, NATO is the, is the army that defends Europe, but what's the EU army? And they're talking about it. And Britain was, that was part of Brexit and all this It's like, um, the EU army (laughs) isn't intended to fight the Russians. The EU army is intended to fight the Hungarians and the Poles and the Czechs and the, People who won't go along with Brussels dictates. Ooh. I mean, they get their asses kicked by the Russians, um, but, so they're not intent. I, and so, I, yeah, it's that's just so obvious to me that all of these countries are are uh, arguing about you know an army and capabilities and this and that. It's like the you know, army is intended to fight uh, to prevent future brexits, just like the new woke American army is is intended to fight us exactly not the chinese exactly right
0: um, anybody want to talk about the uh, major rally that happened in the capitol one this past saturday
4: i did not go unfortunately so i i,
0: I,
2: if, I haven't even paid attention to what
0: where they've only um, the only person seemingly detained was the undercover cop But, and one of the only reasons I want to bring it up is because I saw the headline that I wrote on our last show, Trump's waning influence shown in very small crowd size at Justice for J6 rally. You guys remember me saying that? That they're going to stare it all the way 50 ways from Sunday and then say, see, this proves nobody cares. It's just because the press will always have it both ways. And again, it probably was smart that people didn't show up. And it is quite possible that half the people there were feds and undercover cops. But it's just amazing how they will spin it their way and win the point no matter what. It's it's not
4: clear that the guy arrested was an undercover cop. He was I mean, a cop off-duty. He was an off-duty cop. Right. right, right. There is a law that says off-duty cops can carry anywhere in the United States. So he just might have been an off-duty cop who happened to be armed. Yeah, by the
0: way, that whole thing is also really interesting because they're not allowed to be armed in many places, like hospitals that confiscate even weapons of on-duty cops, et cetera. Yeah, 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 when I say
4: everywhere, I mean everywhere that, uh, you know, normal, yeah, like not federal courthouses, no.
0: and and by uh, the right, and by the way, that's because off-duty cops are so much more law-abiding and in control of themselves than us poor regular folk.
4: Well, especially <laughs> FBI agents, because they spend most of their off-duty time, you know, smacking their wives around or or plotting uh, plotting how uh, to uh, do uh, new crimes that they can then take credit for arresting
0: uh, poor saps. Um, Yeah, so they're very safe. Okay, so you're segueing into the Durham business and this indictment. And there's more and more articles coming out saying that there's more in that indictment than just this one Sussman dude. Because if a lot of people are saying if Durham only wanted to get Sussman, he could have done it in one page. And what he did in his 40 pages or so is outline why other people may or may not be in trouble. So if anybody's following this story, does anybody have any hope whatsoever that anybody else is going to get in trouble? Ed, you're our legal correspondent.
1: I don't have any hope that anyone's going to get in trouble. I, I doubt that this guy's going to get convicted. Uh, you know, and if he does get convicted, I doubt he'll serve time. Um, you know, now I'm not talking me, about
0: him being convicted because my other story, which I put up in the show notes, was the judge on his case. Is married to Lisa Page's
1: lawyer. So I'm not. The the Durham report, you know, the Sussman indictment in the Durham report, it reminds me a little of all the the talk and the scuttlebutt about the Arizona audits and all the other uh, audits that are coming out. And, you know, to me, wake me up when they come out.
4: Well, Friday, Arizona audit is coming out Friday. The uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time, Friday, there's going to be a presentation of the results of the audit. And then the, um, the uh, written report will follow. I, I, I do think Durham, I did think that Durham was just for show. I, I'm a little bit less convinced that it's just for show now because of, because Sussman is important. He, He was an important part of the Clinton machine. He's not just some low level guy. And, you know, the I think potentially, uh, sub- subsequent indictments against people in the fusion GPS. Um, I now I don't think it'll, I, I, I think maybe the Clinton campaign might get indicted. I don't think Hillary or 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 any actual, you know, I you know, her uh, chief of staff, what's her name, the Mrs. Weiner, um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Huma or or Hillary or anybody um, will get indicted, but I do think I do think he's going to go after Fusion GPS because there was such obvious, um, you know, violation of the law there. So we'll see. I, I don't think it's nothing. Sussman is not nobody. So,
1: but don't you think if if let's take you being right, Ed. Don't you think it's noteworthy that they're going after Clinton people? I mean, it almost sounds like, you know, this independent prosecutor who is really part of, you know, he's really working with the DOJ, with Biden's DOJ. I mean, there's a, a, you know, in the Democrat circles, there's a civil war between the Clinton side and the Obama side. And, you know, when you say it like that, it makes me think that, Durham is just working with Biden and the Obama people to, to go after the Clinton people.
0: Okay. Yeah, In the interest I mean, of good. the English language, can we not say "Obama side"? That sounds like we're plotting to assassinate an ex-president. Can we just say the Obama? Um, the Obama faction and the faction, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. The Arkansas. Obama side could get us knocked off of YouTube, <laughs> but go on.
4: Yeah. I, I think you're right um, because uh, the good old boys of the Clinton um, campaign are not, uh, sufficiently woke, um, from the Obama perspective. And I think, yeah, he does want, I mean, I, he, I, I think he is in, he, he is mostly in control of the Democratic Party right now, Obama, uh, or if not Obama, then, um, then, uh, Valerie Jarrett, Ron, Ron Klain, who is, uh, Probably the real president of the United States.
0: But isn't this Jake Sullivan dude very much caught up in the whole Sussman, Fusion GPS, Perkins Corey business? And he's also very high up in the administration. And he's a Clintonista more. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I know that's what some people talk about because it would be interesting because if you wanted to take down the Clinton faction, there's definitely a door open here because some of this is really, really evil stuff. And getting back to the parallels between this and the Hunter Biden story with Politico saying, oh yeah, New York Post, we censored you for weeks and weeks, but you were right all along. Again, we have zero recourse when entire world history is changed because the press absolutely, totally lies and suppresses absolutely
4: everything. Yeah, that was was shocking even to me, you know, of course, you know, the press lies and you know, the censoriousness and whatnot, but for everyone to like completely suppress that story for the two weeks before the election, um, that was new. I mean, that was
0: really- But it worked, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, What was the guy from Nevada? Harry Reid, it worked. Yeah. And it did work. And again,
3: there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, just real quick, I mean, this whole thing with Sussman. I mean, nobody cares about Sussman. Nobody cares about Fusion GPS. To me, the the story is, it's still the ruling class and everybody else. There's two different systems of justice for for each of us. And it's as simple as that. If it were you or me, we'd be fried, but Hillary can get away with it. She's been getting getting away with stuff for 25, 30 years. (laughs) You know, from from cattle futures back (laughs) in the early 90s, she's been getting away with, with stuff. So she's not gonna be held accountable and that's the bottom line.
2: Yeah, and that whole um, you know, elitist ruling class and the, the, the distinction between uh, you know they get away with things that everybody else wouldn't get, get away with it has nothing to do with race or gender. It has to do with political side that you're on. The, the Republicans, as bad as they are, would be held accountable way more than the Democrats are because it's not about gender, it's not about race, it's about political allegiance to one side.
0: You know, it sort of leads into the other story, what I, I mentioned very briefly before the George Bush, you know, what did he say? The January six people were like, you know, the same terrorists as 9-11 or something. And I also put up this story, the National Republican Redist- Redistricting Trust, which apparently is what's ultimately in charge of how everything gets redistricted, based on the census, is putting Mike Pompeo and Chris Christie as co-chairs. Now, Chris Christie is definitely gonna save the Republican Party towards the MAGA fighting types, isn't he? So once again, the whole Republican Party is this Bush and Christie and probably still Karl Rove and that whole faction of people who can't stand us far more than they can't stand, The Harry Reid's and the Schumer's, etc.
4: I mean, they're certainly going to try to maximize the number of, um, you know, Republican seats while simultaneously getting rid of, you know, Laurie Boebert and and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Thomas Massey and, you know, that sort of thing. So, I mean, it.
0: uh, And once again, they control the power structure, and it doesn't even matter how much people vote because redistricting and like I've always said primaries and what happens before the primaries
3: is where the real action is.
2: Well, you know what's interesting? Oh, oh sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: I was just sorry. gonna say, if we get the kind of redistricting for the country that uh, Chris, Christie, uh, Chris Christie helped bring about here in New Jersey, we'll be uh, really a lot better off, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, similar here in Illinois. I
0: think. The only redistricting <laughs> he should be doing has to do with the surgery he had and I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, isn't it interesting to look and see how the supposed radicals in the Democrat Party seem to be running the Democrat Party, whereas the radicals in the Republican Party are getting destroyed by the Republican Party elites?
0: Amen. And people have said that, and it's such a phenomenal point. They're afraid of their radicals. So Ilhan, I don't want to go into this Israel Iron Dome thing very much. But you know, Ilhan Omar and her group are able to block a promised Iron Dome payment to Israel. But on our side, we we crush our radicals, and it's a fantastic point,
2: Jody. Maybe it's because you know, radicalism today really is hinges on it's all about individual power, individual empowerment. Like I said, climbing up the economic, all the things that we really. Are why people get out of poverty. Those 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 things that society should be encouraging, teaching, demonstrating, mimicking are they all lead to independently minded, independently independent people, and the ones who are now saying those things are considered radicals that need to be, um, you know, slapped down and told to get back on the proverbial Democrat plantation. It's, Isn't than radicals, I,
0: to the immigrants that they're like what makes this country great or something? She said the other day, and mind you, she will never be in trouble for her uh, marrying her brother and her other campaign finance issues because she's on the correct side. Like we say, the double standard, the two system, the
1: two justice system. Ra- rather than radicals, I would I would substitute the word base. Uh, the Democrats are ruled, and they they always play to their own base, whereas the Republican leadership. Is antagonistic towards its base, and that's the real dilemma that we face. And that's the real, you know, that's the answer to why the Republican Party is always in the way. Um, The Republican base, I think, is on our side, and the Republican base are is comprised of good people that want to save the country. The problem is that the Republican Party is is in opposition to its base and feels a need to make war on its base. And okay, I'm going to
0: ask the, you to define base. And also, there's a reason why Biden was nominated and they crushed Sanders. So answer why what you're saying is
1: true based on that. What does base mean? The core believers, the people that, that will come out to vote no matter what, the people that, are, that provide the money, the people that you think
2: Democrats do that too? I mean, that's, I mean, the radicals are really just feeding to those core believers who will, you know, come out and be angry. They'll do, they're they are not the thinkers. They're, they are
0: well. I mean, do you think you Omar to... and the squad represent the base or the Biden people represent the base?
1: Well, I don't I think, think there's a difference. It.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, then know. Why'd
1: they crush Sanders? They crushed Sanders because They didn't want him to be in charge of who picks the DNC leadership. They didn't want him to be in charge of the fundraising apparatus. They were not opposed to any of his beliefs. They were not opposed to anything that he wanted to do. They just didn't want him to be the one in charge. They didn't think they could control him. And by they, I mean the Obama people. Um, Even though they're sympathetic, it was sort of rival gangs, and they said we can't control him, but we can control Biden. I mean, Biden—they could control Biden not just because he's dementia-ridden, but because he was Obama's vice president, and he—he he owed it to—he owed his uh, ascendancy to Obama.
4: Yeah, they can control Biden to a certain extent, but they—they they can't entirely control him in the sense that he—I I really do believe he was the one who said, "Get out of Afghanistan now," and the. Military is generally going to push back on that. What about X? What about Y? What about Z? And he just out, out, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You dog faced pony soldier, get out. Lying dog faced <laughs> pony soldier. Lying dog faced pony soldier. So I, I do believe that he has some power. And I do believe that, his, that it was all his, um, you know, doing that that exit was done so stupidly. Um, because I think the establishment didn't want to get out of Central Asia for a large number of reasons, but primarily to block the whole Chinese Belt and Road Initiative. Um,
1: I think that the stupidity of the Afghanistan withdrawal is akin to the Bo Bergdahl trade. I mean, Obama did that and he, he traded, you know, five terrorist leaders for a traitor and anyone with a brain knew that that was stupid in the same way that everybody knew that, that Af- the Afghanistan withdrawal was stupid, but yeah. both were intended to harm the United States. That, that's how I see it.
0: Well, and hey, you, you had a great answer to my question as usual, but I'm just wondering, don't both parties have the same issue of having a dual base? Is the Republican Party's base the MAGA slash Tea Party or the Karl Rove Bush? And is the Democrat base the Ilhan Omar squad or the old regular Democrats?
1: Well, the second half, I, I don't think there's a difference between the the old Democrats and these new Democrats. Uh, I think the new Democrats, the Ilhan Omar squad types, have crowded out the other types. I, insofar as the other types exist, they're they're too coward and, too cowed and, and scared to say anything.
0: But who represents the, the bigger faction of the voters in the Democrat party? I think, you know, Schumer, I think the Elon guys, Omar.
1: I think the he, Elon Omar squad, yeah.
2: Well, you know, maybe it's the fact that that faction, that small group is so loud and obnoxious that it blurs out any distinction because everybody else is too afraid to speak up. So it seems like they represent a very large number of people but maybe they don't. It's just the, the other people
0: aren't willing to stand up and, and say, I, kind I, know, of I don't agree with
2: you or
0: what? I kind of see it your way. And I don't know what real numbers are, but you know, you look at this blocking the money to Israel business, and there's still a very large percentage of the Democrats in power or not that are not comfortable yet with quote unquote betraying Israel, whether that's betraying Israel and whether or not they're going to give the money, whether they should get the money. So I don't know if it's more what Jody's saying and it just seems like they're the ones who are really the base, or are you correct that the whole the base and the majority have moved that radically?
1: That's my perception, and and in, on the Republican I, side, the, I the think who... the
0: base
4: on I think the Democrat base are just feel just as betrayed as the Republican base. I I think you know what what was the what was the base of the Democratic Party Well, ethnic people, it was an ethnic a combination of, of ethnic, um, you know, immigrant type groups, the Italians and the and the Irish and the Jews and, and things like that. Well, they're all being completely screwed by all this illegal immigration, even the Hispanics uh, hate it. I think the unions, the Democrats were big on the unions and, and uh, this whole climate agenda is just devastating to private sector unions. I mean, there's hardly any private sector unions anymore, um, and the public sector unions are the ones that that you know that are uh, the only beneficiaries. I, I think I think if I was a, a Pittsburgh union guy, I'd feel pretty betrayed by the Democratic Party, and I, I, and the same with the whole you know Republican base. If I were a, a you know a, a farmer or a um, you know. Uh, uh, but Ed, how
1: many of those type Democrats voted for Trump?
4: I bet a lot of them did. Well, I bet a know, lot of
1: them did, too. I bet a lot of them have become MAGA people. Yeah, but they're not Republicans they're Democrats anymore.
4: They're, they don't look at the Republican yeah. Party and say, oh, this is my new home. You, you know what I mean? Well,
2: the Republican parties have such a terrible job messaging, as we've already discussed. They can't
4: yeah, nothing. It's messaging. They don't believe it.
2: Horrible. So how are they going to grow their tent where they're? But I mean, the content.
4: Democrats have such a terrible job messaging too, because all their messages were not Trump. We don't tweet me. All they need.
2: They, they don't need any more than that. I, I think media we, we, helps them.
4: Yeah, and then and then our uh, you know the Republican uh, 2022 uh, you know congressional uh, campaign will be hey we're not Biden. You know, we're not this. We're not that. There's nothing. There's no positive agenda on either. In the because there is no positive agenda. I mean, the establishment, whether Republican or Democrat, are out for themselves, and they want globalism because that's the easiest way to rack up the, you know, uh,
2: money and power.
4: The number of yachts and the and the amount of power and the private jets and and they want to jet around and talk about climate change and
2: and uh, the and elitist
4: give themselves awards and uh, say how wonderful they all are and uh, conveniently forget how many times they flew on the Lolita Express. Um, the, QAnon hey, no cons- the QAnon conspiracy believes that we are ruled by Satanists who engage in child trafficking and, uh, um, and, and sexual exploitation of children.
2: I still don't understand what the QAnon thing is, but doesn't matter. I don't
4: even- <laughs> That's what the definition is. It's like, well, they are kind of Satanists and yeah. they do kind of engage in
0: child. <laughs> like, okay. But that sounds pretty accurate. Going back to the, the whole globalist and and you know the staying in power thing, are you following this ever grand issue? And if so, can you explain what's going on? Because you're the one who talks a lot about economic impact, et cetera.
1: Well, yeah, I have, it's a, I have oh, not. Ed, go I, ahead, Ed.
4: I have not been following it, so please comment.
1: It's a, a Chinese um, a property development company, and it's it's about to go belly up, if it hasn't already gone belly up. Um, supposedly, it's about five to ten times larger than Lehman Brothers, and the Chinese are in the process right now of trying to contain the damage um, so that they don't have a, a meltdown like the 2008-2009 meltdown that took over the, the world economy, um, but it, it, it's it's a it's an ongoing crisis in China right now. They're trying to contain it, and um, it may you know it's not clear yet how bad it's going to be or whether they're going to be able to contain it. But um, it could be a trigger for, for the kind of economic crisis that I've been talking about for, for a year now.
0: So that's why I asked you. Can you explain why that affects Americans?
1: Well, because a, a crisis of, you know, if, if the Chinese economy implodes, you know, they own first of all, they own a lot of debt for the United, to the United, that the United States owes, you know, they can start calling their debt. They can stop purchasing us treasury debt and, um, you know, if, if all of a sudden we start having to repay loans to China because their assets went to zero and they need to, they need to liquidate, that puts a tremendous pressure on our economy. Um, we're, we're connected to them uh, uh, by virtue of owing them so much money.
0: Okay, maybe because my brain is working slowly because I'm drinking decaf soda. Um go back a little bit and explain to me. So this company develops land all over China. I'm assuming this is all within China. And yeah. now th- this company is over leveraged or whatever. And they're going to go out of business. Now, when they go out of business, what is the first thing that happens? What is the second thing that happens before it gets to the financial markets and world financial markets, etc.? So a
1: property going to developer, it. how does a property developer maintain its business. It needs financing from banks. So they have they have tons of loans to Chinese banks. If those loans suddenly go bad, the Chinese banks are in danger of failing. And in order to, you know, when the Chinese banks start failing, what are they going to do? They have to, they start liquidating. They start calling in the loans that they have. Where are their loans? They've also lent money to the U.S. government and to U.S. businesses. If all of a sudden the U.S. government and U.S. businesses are forced to pay money, I mean, not forced with a gun, but just th- their loans get called by the Chinese banks. Suddenly, they 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 weren't expecting to have to repay those lines of credit, or uh, you know, or from the Treasury perspective, I mean, the Treasury sells debt, you know, every ninety days. Um, well,
0: okay, okay, you're doing a great job of explaining this to me, and hopefully, other people
3: who are listening. Uh, as so as the- as, uh, as compensation for the China virus, the the those loans should be forgiven. Well, that, that okay, and
0: I'm gonna ask a question about the loans in a
3: second. Okay, so the
0: Chinese banks are in trouble because they can't get paid back investments they've made in this Evergrande company. The Chinese, Now, the Chinese banks could just go under, that wouldn't affect anybody, but what you're saying is they're gonna quote call-in loans. Now, I'm not sure what call-in loans mean because if I borrowed a million dollars from you because you're a nice guy, Ed, you can call them in all day, but you're not getting a million dollars. So what happens then?
4: Well they sell they sell the loans for pennies on the dollar, which means they cut their um, the their amount of assets go down and their balance sheet gets even more out of balance and then they sell more things which causes more um, assets to decline in price and you sort of get a general deflation of asset prices and this causes, In a a debt-based economy where everything is based on debt and inflation, uh, this sort of uh, collapse in asset prices uh, causes everybody to go out of business. Now, I tend to disagree um, a little bit with Ed that this would cause a global um, crisis because I don't think the U.S. are big creditors in China and it's really only creditors who are- Oh, not creditors, um, they're
1: debtors. Okay, let's yeah, say if, if the they, Chinese banks buy U.S. treasuries- Right, and okay. so they'd
4: sell U.S. treasuries in the open market. And- forget, maybe they don't sell them, huh? Well, that would potentially cause the um, interest rate for
1: the treasuries to go up, but you know- Correct, but not, well, not, all not only if they, It's not just if they don't- Forget about whether they sell them. The, the treasury does you know, 90-day treasury auctions- if, if all of a sudden a big buyer at those auctions stops buying, the same thing happens. They don't have to sell anything. They just have to, you know, the treasury can't pay its debt. It refinances uh, under, every 90 yeah. days.
4: Under normal circumstances, obviously you are correct, but we've not been in normal circumstances for quite some time. The Federal Reserve is just buying you know, the debt now. It's just monetizing right. the
1: debt. Exactly. So they, you know, it could lead to money printing. Exactly.
4: Well, I mean, there you know, the Chinese only own a trillion dollars of American debt, and that's like a Thursday for uh, the Federal Reserve as far as their money, money printing scheme. So I don't think it would have that big of a deal uh, on the United States. I do think it would have a big deal with regard to China because if, if the Chinese have a recession which they haven't had since Deng Xiaoping started this whole experiment in sort of communo capitalism uh, the, um, and a bunch of people are thrown out of work in China, that is something that the chinese government has never faced before because in the united states when we have a recession like that the american public tends to um to vote for the other bunch of clowns um to replace the current bunch of clowns even though they're all the same clowns but there there's this myth that well if the the if the recession happens on a Republican's watch, we're gonna vote in a Democrat and vice versa. Well, in China, they can't do that. So um, it will potentially cause a lot of resentment in young males who don't have enough females to go around uh, towards the Chinese uh, Communist Party and that might be bad for the Chinese Communist Party.
2: Can I ask maybe a stupid question? But I, 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 I'm I, getting, you know, I get the, this vibe that, you know, there's a lot of concern that the Chinese Communist Party is getting really, um, it's getting very powerful and that it has threats that go, you know, on our shores and others. And while I never would wish, you um, economic hardship on anyone, and certainly not the Chinese people living under their rule. But doesn't something, uh, you know, uh, uh, an economic problem with the Chinese government of that degree sort of mitigate concerns that the Chinese Communist Party is going to grow power and Uh, be a threat to other countries? Does it sort of mitigate that? Well, it's the wag
4: the dog phenomenon, right? If the Chinese government feels threatened by people who are uh, out of work due to a, 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 you know, once in a generation or more recession, then they tend to move towards ultra nationalism and, you know, potentially military adventurism to try and unify the people around um the, so gover- the government the government.
0: So,
4: I mean, that's the real risk. It's not, you know, normally we would say, hey, China goes into recession, you know, 50 million young Chinese men, none of whom have any prospects for a wife or child, are out of work. That's sort of the best possible outcome because they're going to turn their um, they're, they're going to turn their annoyance towards the Chinese Communist Party and it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys. But then the Chinese Communist Party would try and rally the people around some sort of foreign war, which means either Taiwan, Taiwan or,
3: or Vietnam or... Yeah. Um, God, it's, so you know, well, it's, it's so sinister. It's just so I mean, Ed, Ed kind of stole my thunder there. I mean, my understanding of history and um, you know, Hitler and Germany is the economic strife there. Was an impetus for them
0: to know, gain power.
3: power. Okay, for, I get yeah. to, to start overtaking other countries. Hey, I want to wrap no. up in a few minutes. B,
0: I'm learning a lot, and I want to keep learning. C, you can't compare a billion point two people to a small country like Hitler's Germany, in my humble opinion. D, question, sort of like what Jody asked: Isn't there a silver lining? And if the Chinese economy is doing poorly, doesn't that mean that we can make iPhones and sneakers even cheaper there? and hire even more people to do our work? Why is that a bad thing?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, other than the geopolitical uh, standpoint, I I think everything's an upside to China having a recession, right? Because it'll uh, drop the labor price, you know. uh, the, the, The issue though is not, you know, oh, our iPhones are gonna be cheaper now from China. The issue is the iPhones are still made in China. And yeah. and and our medical, our pharmaceuticals are
0: still made in China, yeah, and but our, nobody cares our... about that part. So I'm saying, if the, if this um, cascade starts to happen, why is it
1: necessarily bad for us?
0: I mean, yes, it would be wonderful well, for one us thing.
1: Pharmaceuticals here, but it might be the linchpin for them launching a digital currency, and a digital currency is going to be a means for them to control us the way vaccine passports control us. And so that's the, that's the big danger to me. Um, I'm not looking at it in terms of, uh, the, is the price of an iPhone going to go down or up? Uh, the, the issue to me is, if the financial system gets into chaos, is that going to be the, 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 the excuse that they use to replace the dollar with a digital currency. Okay, so and, and the Chinese-
2: Ed, You've been predicting change, that a long time, sorry.
1: Right, yeah. the Chinese don't need an excuse to change their currency for digital, right? And they've already been, they've been implementing a digital right. currency so already.
0: Again, I'm, gonna, I'm asking this as an educate me, why does that matter to us?
1: Because they're laying the groundwork. I mean, all cancel culture is, is just a byproduct of the social credit system that China has developed. Uh, what they're doing is, is coming over here and we need to look at it as a shot across the bow. I mean, what, what they're doing there is what, what the tech companies are gonna bring here sooner rather than later. But if
0: they're weaker, isn't it harder for them to bring it over here?
1: I don't know what you mean by weaker. I mean, if they're their going to economy is in
0: trouble, doesn't that give them less influence? I mean, okay, if I understand what you're saying, you're saying that the Chinese may use this as an impetus to do digital currency, and then, no, I'm yes. saying that
1: the U.S. might, that the U.S. government might use it as an impetus to tr- to go to a digital currency. I think Why? China is already on its way to a digital currency. They've Why would the U.S. Nimbly.
0: What does the U.S. What's the link between this happening in China and the U.S. going to digital currency? They're going to say we're well, like I said, if,
1: if if major buyers of U.S. treasuries stop showing up, and the U.S. government can't refinance its debt, you're facing a sovereign default.
3: Okay. Okay, if so the US wants
1: the to avoid a default, missing. they may have to just change the currency. Gotcha. Okay, so that, that was the part I was
0: missing. Remember, not everybody's as smart as you, Ed, and none, very few of Sorry. us studied economics. So what you're saying is, even the threat of China not being able to buy our bonds, rather than going with Ed Powell's suggestion, if we're buying them anyway with fake money, this would be a great point at which for America to say, hey, our only hope is digital currency.
1: Well, I mean, inflation is already becoming a problem. And if they start printing that much money to cover that much debt, it's going to become a bigger problem. They may not be able to, they, they, they may not have the stomach for that level of inflation.
0: Okay. I want to wrap up for today because I've learned way too much from my exploding <laughs> mind. But I, I think, no, really, I, I didn't get most of this stuff. And we, well, obviously, we're going to revisit this depending on what happens over the next few days. So having said that, let's everybody
3: wrap up. Yeah, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, Go, Mike. Real quick, it's about the media. The media. It, this is just another nugget that shows that they will lie through their teeth about anything and everything. But what's going on on the border and what was happening with those border agents claiming that their reins were whips. And having Maxine Waters stand out there and compare it to slavery. But again, people on MSNBC parroting this and I mean, law, blatantly lying about mm-hmm. what we can see with our own two eyes is to me noteworthy um and i also think that the project veritas story was no, noteworthy but um you know seeing that there was a whistleblower coming out talking about the fact that they're not reporting to theirs some of the side effects but uh, the other point about it to me was just how swiftly facebook jumped on that fascist book and and took down that video and i feel like Twitter
1: too
3: yeah I mean I'm I think we're already almost becoming numb to it we're expecting it and it's just it's it's really scary what's go- going on I mean they're implementing fascism and totalitarianism effectively um, and I, you know I'm not sure what else I have to add to it but it's just it's just amazing to me um, how quickly they took that down
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I want to expand on that a little bit. And I wish I had thought this out a, a little more clearly, but you know, when you look at, you know, it's so tragic in my mind, so deeply tragic that we were supposed to be this intellectually evolved society. At least I used to think that we were, and we seem to have gone back centuries because you hear people saying things like, well, I have my facts and you have yours and you have, Intellectual debate being literally denied the the, the the day of light. And, you know, I always thought that, that evolution, even looking back from our founding fathers who made these brilliant statements, I always thought even beyond them, we've evolved intellectually. We got to this place where empirical data and the seeking of truth is really the foundation of human evolution. That's a part that sets us apart from from other animals is that we have the ability to reason and think and find and seek objective truths and empirical data. And the fact that that is squashed, that is no longer allowed, that is not acceptable. It is all about irrational emotion. It is about following irrational emotion. Anything else is not allowed. And they have done that with science. I'm a huge fan of science. I would love to see the science on masks and man uh, vaccines debated. Not, not just only these scientists are allowed to be seen, heard, known. I want the science and the scientists debated transparently, climate change, all of it. The fact that it isn't I kind of, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility to go around for that. But a big one, like you said, Mike, is the media. Their job was supposed to be all about holding elitists accountable. And somehow the elitists bought them and they're part of the elitist group now. It must be why they no longer tolerate intellectual debate focused on empirical data, empirical facts, empirical evidence. Now it has to be squashed. That is. The biggest tragedy to me, but what I see bottom line is we've gone back centuries to the point where that whole thing that all of the, the great evolution we took by being in the age of reason by, you know, knowing that the seeking of truth is what makes us evolved evolve now it's over i can't it's that's the saddest thing sorry like i said i didn't have it thought out i was just spewing
3: no that was a great thought <laughs> i know we gotta wrap it up so I'll, I'll let you leave it there
4: well my uh final comment is um about a company that i like and and uh, support and that's uh, FakeMasksUSA.com. fake
0: yes i own one of theirs good for you
4: Fakemaskusa.com. And um, they uh, have been deplatformed uh, by pretty much everyone, including their, uh, they got their, um, their domain name taken from them. Well, they finally gotten their donate, domain name uh, back. And uh, so fakemaskusa.com. And uh, they look like a real mask, but they're made out of a fine woven mesh and you can breathe through them and they provide absolutely no protection from uh, COVID. Um, uh, but then neither do the masks that the uh, CDC recommends you wear. Uh, if you really want protection, you need to wear a well-fitting N95 mask on a, on a shaven face. But if you... Uh, don't want to do that or can't do that like i can't do that um then uh i highly recommend fakemaskusa.com um snopes has a big article that i was uh, had had looked up uh earlier and uh they're they're trying to debunk the, i don't know what the debunk i don't know why fakemaskusa.com needs to be debunked it's in the name right but of course everybody's, <laughs> everybody's getting them for their uh uh, for their kids, and the, the website says these masks do nothing at all, and do not stop the spread of COVID nineteen, and will not protect you from it either. Um, and so, um, so uh, Snopes, being the uh, you know the serious journalists, contacted them and and asked them about uh, uh, their company sales and uh, the record breaking rise in child cases. And the company sent the following uh, letter back to Snopes. Uh, Fake Mask USA is a law-abiding, veteran-owned small business. We are the champions of American freedom. We believe in the rights and freedom of the American people, that we have served and continue to serve as veterans. We at Fake Mask USA ask that you and all political elites politely fuck off and allow us to operate our business in peace, uncensored, on American soil. We will never apologize for helping Americans breathe. That was their response. And <laughs> I just love it. And even though they're not a sponsor of the show, uh, we definitely like them. If you're listening, uh, fake masks to sponsor the show, please do it. But uh, Ed, I, I
0: just want to add heartily recommend. It's great what you brought up. They do not sponsor the show, but they are listed on libertyblock.com under allies. And I believe that we have interviewed them. I'm pretty sure that Elliot has interviewed them. And thanks for bringing it up. But yes, you can go to Liberty Block and click. I don't think we get anything from it, but you can go that way and it still helps Liberty Block anyway. So yeah, I bought one of theirs early on as well. I think
1: they're, they're awesome. So, okay, Ed? I'm tempted to just leave it at that. That's a great way to end the show, but I'll, I'll just, a, a quick thought. I think that the, the, the coming battle is gonna be fought at the state level, not the federal level. Uh, we need to focus on uh, getting good Republicans in state houses. Uh, Greg Abbott needs to be replaced in Texas. Um, we, need to, we need to fight these battles at the state level um, and, and make the feds come after us that way. They, they can't come after 30 states if, they, if, if 30 states are rebelling against them. Uh, but Ed, that was a great story. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say anything after yours.
0: Okay. With that, we'll wrap it up. Next week, we're going to be back the same time Thursday morning, and then afterwards, go back to our regular time Wednesday afternoons at four o'clock. This will be up as a podcast, hopefully within about a half an hour. And thank you all for being here today. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody. Bye, guys.
4: Everyone.